Good morning. Uh, welcome to Mariners. Thank you for being part of today. I'm Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's really um, it's great to see you guys, and thank you for coming out. Beautiful day. God has given us a great weekend, and I uh, hope you have opportunity to get out today and just enjoy uh, the beauty of this place. We're in a series, um, <clears throat> Mark mentioned it, we're calling it Hiding from Love. And, and you might say, well, what do you mean hiding from love? Um, is it like, remember this, when you're in the second grade, and... Uh, Somebody had a crush on you and told everyone that he or she wanted to kiss you at recess. <clears throat> What'd you do? You hid from love. Okay, you hid. You hid from love. I never gonna find me <clears throat> from this one. We're 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 not talking about playground romances and all that. Um, we're talking about something a little bit a little bit deeper because as you get older, you're no longer in the second grade. Things get complicated, and relationships get complicated, and we're very complex complicated people, and that's what we want to spend talk, time talking about. Um, hiding from love <clears throat> is when we cut ourselves off from the emotional attachments that are, that are part of the life that God wants us to have. We cut ourselves off from those emotional attachments that are there that God has designed us to have and God would want us to have, and we do it, and we do it much to the damage of our, of our, of our souls and our hearts. And what we want to do is understand that and not just simply understand it, but look at the ways that God has provided to, for us to solve it. So let, let's take a second and pray, can we? Lord, thank you now for the moments we have in this time that we have and give me the right words to share and help us to grow in the areas that you want and understand and be more loving, better people for you. And in your name we ask this. Amen. A couple of things we talked about <clears throat> last week, and it's just important that we kind of let our brains go back to that. First of all, we were created to connect, okay? We were created, so we used to say this, we were created with an urge to merge, okay? We have an urge <laughs> to merge with other people. And when God made you, he made you to have connections with other people. That's how he designed you. God made everything, and he made it good. He made birds, and he made fish, and puppies, and kitties, and he made people. Well, he didn't make people at first. He made first a person, one person, and that would be Adam in the garden. And, and I believe that he made, he made one person because God, I mean, God is perfect in his wisdom. He knew he was going to end up creating Eve. He understood that. He knew that it was not good for us to be alone. So why did God create just simply one person? Why didn't he just, for economy's sake, just boom, start with two? It's because I believe that God needed to make that statement for us to hear and for you and I to hear even today, it's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. And we want to say, well, wait, 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 just a second on this one. I mean, Adam had a forest and it was a great forest and he had fish and they were great fish <laughs> and he had a dog. Can you imagine the dog he had? I mean, faithful, loyal, you know. And for those of you, he had a cat, okay. Can you imagine the cat he had? I mean, it was not always trying to kill him. It must have been a good cat, okay? <clears throat> and and he, had, he had God. Adam had God. Closeness and fellowship with God. And you want to say, well, wasn't that enough? I mean, I mean isn't, isn't God enough? Um, apparently not. Apparently we do need other people in our lives. It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. We talked about this last week. So 
Adam was, was, was given a counterpart. And it says the man and his wife were both naked. They felt no shame. And the nakedness is not just no clothes on. You know there's more to it than that. It means openness and transparency and complete compatibility. The kind of intimacy that you would long for in the closest friend or the closest companion you could want. Everything was shared. Everything was revealed. There was nothing hidden. No thoughts, no motives. It was all out there and accepted and loved. It's the things that we would want. You were meant for this. We also said that we're pretty messed up people um, and sin comes in and we hide. And, and again, so much of Genesis reveals who we are, and, and why we are the way we are. Sin, Adam and Eve sinned, and they did two things. They covered and they hid. They covered and hid. And when we sin or when we have things about us we are not happy with, we do the same thing. We cover, we hide. We cover, we hide. For them, it was with fig leaves, and, 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 and it was a very flimsy attempt at covering, and they hid from God. And you just think how petty that is, how silly that is. How can you, how can you cover yourself with leaves? And how can you hide yourself from God? But they tried. And God asked Adam, you know, what have you done? And the first thing he does, and I just can't imagine the devastation that Eve felt when the person that she was here attached to and was the most open person in the world, for the first time when God asked Adam, what have you done? He said, it was the woman. Can you imagine the devastation she felt? And can you imagine once Adam gave it a little thought, the devastation he felt at what he had just done? And so we cover ourselves with, with fig leaves of a different kind, don't we? I mean, we, we have different kinds of fig leaves. We cover ourselves with an inability to commit, or we become fearful, or we go in denial, or blame, or we can't open up, or we're ashamed. And, and we, we put on false fronts. We just simply put those things on. And that's how we hide. We hide from love. We hide from love, from those very things that could actually help us we are hiding from. John Powell, in his famous book, Why I'm Afraid to Tell You Who I Am, he answers the question, why I'm afraid to tell you who I am? Because if I tell you who I am and you don't like who I am, well, what? I'm all I've got. It's all I've got. You, you, you hear that? Just, you just it. If you don't like me and there's too much of a risk and therefore I'm going to create a facade, a false front, plastic, Around. And this stuff gets really complicated. I mean, really, really deep. Working with a family with, I mean, the family's now been hit with addictions. You know, the addictions are now becoming exposed. And, and, and it's a mess. I mean, it's just a mess. And, and I mean, you know people like this. And the little daughter, she's eight years old. And, and you know, saying, wow, it's not how, how wonderful she's coping with all of this. I mean, she's, she's, she's coping so well. She's taking on the mothering responsibilities of getting herself up and dressed, and she's helping the younger children get up. And she packs her own lunch for school, so we're so glad that she's coping so well with this. And they say, isn't it great that she's coping? And I say, no, no, this isn't coping. This is not coping well. Eight-year-olds should be what? They should be eight years old. And mom should be getting them up to go to school. And they should be saying, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. And mom should be laying out the clothes and making lunch and writing little love notes on the bananas and saying, I still love you. Have a great day at school. She shouldn't have to be getting the other kids up. She should be able to be eight years old. 
And what she's doing is internalizing that parents aren't there for you when you need them. So you have to what? You have to look out for yourself. You understand the stuff that's happening? Eight years old. And she doesn't understand. She can't fathom all this. She's just simply trying to survive. And so she's creating survival techniques. But those survival techniques will eventually move into walls around her. And, and without help, there's a part of her that's going to blame herself for this. Maybe if I was a better daughter, my parents wouldn't be like this. You understand how, how, how complex and complicated we are? And some of you are going, oh, no, you know, I'm having to relive my own experience as a kid because we do not come through this thing unscarred and, and undamaged. We do, and, 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 and she's being broken and this broken part will remain stuck and unfinished. If you're, if you're a parent, you know, your kid falls and breaks their arm or something like that, and you, you just pray it's not their what? The growth plate. Remember that? You heard about the growth plate? You know, kids have growth plates, and you don't want those to be broken because then they kind of get stuck, and so the doctors are really concerned about that because if the growth plate breaks, then there, there could be, unless something has, comes in and, and fixes it, there could be a, a, a malformation of that particular part of the bone. And there are growth plates, I guess, in our souls, and our hearts, that if they're broken, they get stuck. They don't grow anymore. And injured parts that are hurt remain stuck and unfinished, and they can't grow past the hurt. And she will remain fixed and stuck at this point. Will it affect her ability to relate? Absolutely it will, unless there's managed help unless she gets help for her to be able to process and understand it like an eight-year-old can understand and process. Do, do, do you see how complicated this life is? And it's like, man, you know, what are eight billion people in this world? And I think it's just simply compounding itself more and more and more, and there's just so many more ways for us to mess ourselves up. And so we hide. We become really good at isolating ourselves but, but we know we want deeper connections, but we fear them because we've been hurt in the past. We're like two porcupines, you know, that want to connect. They have the urge to merge, but what happens? They can't because they've got their guards up and their prickles up, and they just simply can't, can't get close. And so what's the solution to all this? You know, you all look at me like, oh, my gosh, there's despair and all this kind of stuff. Believe me, God understands this, and God knows, and God brings in solutions for this. And this is why there's so much hope and there's so much help with God. The Bible says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. I mean, we now have, can be free from this kind of stuff. Jesus says, I come that they might have life and have it to the full. And he wouldn't, <clears throat> he wouldn't promise if he couldn't provide it. Jesus would not promise a full life if he couldn't provide it for you and for me. He wouldn't do that. And so there's all kinds of help and all kinds of hope. There's another story that, that God gives us, and um, you're probably familiar with this one, and, and I encourage you to go home and, and read it, the whole thing for yourself. And, 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 and we're going to meet a woman, and <clears throat> what you're going to see as we go through this story, you're going to see the hiding patterns that this woman has. And you're going to see the way that Jesus relentlessly loves her. You know, like the song Betty sang, almost recklessly goes in and, and, and loves her. It is called the woman at the well. And again, you know this. John chapter 4, Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. 
His disciples had gone into the town <clears throat> to buy food. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Now, 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 quickly, it's noontime. They're tired. You know, there's an in and out in town. So the disciples go there to buy that. And Jesus sits down and waits. And a woman comes out. And the situation is incredibly revealing. Um, two things. Uh, women do not come at noon. It's too hot because you're usually carrying this big old jar pot, you know, that you fill with water. And, man, man, it's the Mideast. It's, like, really hot during the day. You come early in the morning. And women don't come alone. You come with others for safety's sake, and that's just what they did. And so this is very telling that she's coming when all the other women don't come. It's because she's isolated. The other women don't want her to be around. And they don't want to be around her. Every person has a story. This woman has a story as well. And it's going to come out. Um, um, that she's not the nicest person to be around. Um, she is what we would call the loose woman, the immoral woman, the town slut, you know. Every person has a story. Who knows what happened to her when she was a kid? What decisions she made or why she made those decisions, those triggers that were in her, the hiding patterns that she has created. What happened when she was a little kid? What happened when she was a teenager? Why did she make these decisions? She's just looking for something, but she's a master at hiding. She becomes a master at hiding in this as the dialogue goes back and forth. Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Okay, do you understand the relentless search that Jesus has for her? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, that's a pretty profound statement. Okay, you look at it, it's like pretty profound. You know, if you knew me, if you knew what I was about, I could give you I could give you everything to fulfill your life with living water. Jesus reaches out. Here she goes, hiding pattern. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? You hear it? You hear the cynicism in her voice? I mean, you just simply hear it. You got no bucket. Let's talk buckets. You know, Jesus is saying, I could give you living water, and she wants to talk about buckets. Okay, she's shifting away from anything deep because she doesn't want to let anybody in to her life. Living water buckets, you know, she's hiding. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I mean, listen to what Jesus is saying. He's moving in. The woman said to him, and, and again, here comes the sarcasm. Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to come, keep coming here to draw water. Do you, you understand? This is dripping with sarcasm. Oh, you can give me living water? Great. Then I don't have to come here anymore. You know, she, she's, she's either purposely not getting it. She's hiding, and I think she's hiding. You got living water? Good. I can use some of that. So Jesus is now getting tired of her games. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, 
she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. Now again, five husbands, you know, she's now living with a sixth guy. Who knows how many in between. And the town she was living in, the towns back in those days were not 10,000 people. We're talking maybe 70, 80 people. So she has been with a, a, a percentage of the male population in town, okay? You understand why she's going to the well at noon by herself? And, and instead of her saying, yeah, my life is trashed, I can't keep a guy, and everybody gets tired of me, and all the women hate me, she says this, listen to the dodge, listen to the hide. Sir, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Hear it? She goes theological on him. You know, she goes theological. He just basically said, your life is a mess. You can't keep anybody and everyone hates you. How are you coping with this? Her response is theological. Okay, you're supposed to worship on the mountain or worship in Jerusalem. Which is it? Protection, walls, hiding. And here is something that happens when we hide. We think we're protecting ourselves. Okay? It's like we're closing a gate. It's like we, we're, like we're closing this gate. We think we are, we are protecting ourselves, but what happens is we close the gate, and what's inside this gate is me but also the injured part of myself with destructive memories. And all I've done is now trap the unhealed parts inside with me. Do you see that? The only thing that's left now is trapped is the unhealed parts with me. And the only thing now I've got to work with is the unhealed parts. I was thinking about that. Did you ever see or read the book? If you were in high school, you did. The Life of Pi. Remember the film or the read the book? Okay. Remember that? The kid escapes on a boat. And all of a sudden, he finds that's on the boat is a what? Is a tiger, a man-eating tiger. And all he's got now is a tiger on a boat. And so he has to try and survive on a little corner of this little boat. And what we try and do now is when we close the gate with unhealed memories that aren't healed is we have basically put ourselves out on a little boat with a tiger there. And we're scared to death. The only relational memories that are available to me are the ones that injured me. You see? The only, the only relational memories that are available to me are the ones that injured me. So I just trapped the bat in the cage. I just trapped it in the cage. And so by trying to protect myself, I've trapped myself. And this is the kind of stuff that leads to fear or panic attacks or anxiety or compulsive behaviors, you know, sex or substance abuse or marital tensions or aloofness or inability to commit rage and anger. And a lot of times what we do is you have to trace this stuff back to unresolved emotional traumas that happened. And this is why therapy is very complicated. And that's why a lot of people say, yeah, I started to go, but it got really, really hard. Of course it got hard because all this stuff was all of a sudden let out and it's not easy to look at and it's not fun to see. But it has to be readdressed and then pulled apart so we can begin to understand it and let God bring healing to those different parts. A lot of people say, well, yeah, I tried a therapist. Man, it just made life worse. Of course it's going to make life worse because all of a sudden those things that you've hidden for so long are coming out. But they have to come out because they have to be healed. Otherwise, you're trapping the unhealed parts within yourself. Does that make sense? 
Um, you ever hear about these, these big conventions where, you know, comic book superheroes and people play dress up, you know, adults play dress up. You ever hear that kind of stuff? Um, you know, you know, they call it Comic Con or cosplay or something like that. If you're into that, go for it. You know, if you have fun with that one. It's kind of funny. Sometimes they'll show pictures of these people and it's like, okay, well, good for you. You know, I'm, I'm glad you have a nice hobby. I'll do something else though, but that's a, good for you. But, but what's so silly is we can, we can look at that and say, good for them, but we put on costumes as well. Now, they're not flamboyant costumes, but they're personality costumes that we do. And, and I kind of came up with some superheroes that we pretend that we are, okay, in life because of this hiding thing. First of all, there is the, there is the dysfunctional superhero. We'll call him the Lone Ranger, okay, the Lone Ranger. Now, it's a real one, <clears throat> but our attitude is the Lone Ranger, and it's this. <clears throat> See if you can relate to this one. I can do this life on my own. I really don't need anybody else in my life. I am the Lone Ranger. You know, I can do this on my own. I don't need, really need anybody else in my life. I can handle this. Second type is we dress up as, and I'll just simply say, sour grape girl. Okay, we're sour grape girl right here. Sour grape girl. And, 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 and what she would feel is in order to not get close, I don't believe caring people really exist. I've been burned so much in my life, I don't believe caring people exist. Therefore, why even bother trying to get close? Because real caring people are always going to be fake and always going to hurt me. Third one, the third one, and this is taken from the film, is, is I'm a member of Mission Impossible, okay? I'm part of Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible always, you know, they sneak in and they sabotage things. You know, they're always trying to sabotage things. Mission Impossible says, if things get too close, I will sneak in and sabotage it because I'm afraid of where it might lead, okay? And this is the fear of commitments that we have. So I'll sabotage it. I'll say something stupid. Some people will say to me, I just, every time I get into a relationship, I do something absolutely stupid. And they don't know why. And sometimes the reason why is because they're afraid that the next step all of a sudden means me opening up my life. And instead of doing that, I'll just simply sabotage it. Fourth person, I've, well, I've seen this one a lot, is um, Rescue Woman. Rescue Woman says, says, says this, I will rescue you from your problems. My problems, oh, let's not worry about my problems. Let's not worry about me. My whole life is about you, and I'll spend all my life helping others. And your whole persona is I'm a helper. That's what I do. I just help, and I just simply rescue but that's my mask, so no one can get close to me. And the final one is, of course, we know this one's Superman. I'm Superman. You'll only see my strengths. I won't reveal my kryptonite because, after all, I am Superman. You see, see how we, we play those kinds of games? You know, we do those kinds of things and we dress up like that. See what happens when we hide? Oof. How many of you hate the sound of your own voice? You've heard it on a recording and you hate the sound of it. How many of you? Yeah, okay. Last night everyone loved their own voice, but we, we hated it. And, and you ever hear the, the, the recording of your voice and you say, oh, that's me? You know, holy cow. You know, yuck. And, 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 and I mean, selfies have made it a little bit more tolerable because you have to take a, a selfie now. Do you know that there's an angle that you're supposed to take a selfie at? Did you know that? I never knew that. I always thought, why do my selfies look... Like, I'm whoa, so, so weird. It's like, well, you're supposed to raise it up. You lift them up. That's how you do it. That's why you have people taking selfies up here because, yeah, for some reason, you always look better up here. Anyway, that was free. Anyway, 
I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, we sometimes do these video blurbs here. You know, sometimes we'll do video blurbs of the ministries that are going on here. And, and, and last week we, we, we did one, and people sharing. And, and I was talking to somebody last week who was on the screen last week, and she said to me this, do I really sound like that? I mean, like that? Was there some kind of distortion on that? Because that's that the way I sound? And my response is what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You sound exactly like that. And, and then she said, do I really look like that? You know, do I really look like that? And it's like, no, yes, you do. You know, yeah, you do. You really do. And, and we don't like the way <clears throat> we sound, and we don't like the way we look. I mean, it's terrible because, because I got to get up here each week. And I know you got to look at me. You know, you got to look at me. And it's like, it's like, oh, there's nothing I can do. You know, I'll look up in the morning. It's like, oh, crud, you know. There's no hope on this one. Even my bags are bringing carry-on bags now. You know, it's really bad. And, and, and you have no choice but to look at me unless you drowsy and fall asleep, which some of you do. And honestly, that's freaky to me. Because bottom line, we don't always like the way we look. And we don't like the way we sound. Um. And as we talked, you know, we came to the conclusion, you know, people see us all the time. And they're okay with that, you know? They're okay with that. And sometimes you, 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 you want to say, how can you like somebody like me? Because we have trouble believing that kind of stuff. How can you love somebody like me? And we begin to ask the question. And all of a sudden, when we start asking those questions, we're able to begin to open up the gate a little bit and start to, the healing process. There comes what begins in hiding. <clears throat> Two things we need to get out of our silly hiding <clears throat> practices. And everyone needs this front hiding. And this is where we're going to go next week um, in detail we need two things. We need, first of all, we need grace. We need grace. I need grace from you and grace in your eyes that you not only see me as I am, but you're okay with me as I am, okay? That's why grace is such a big thing in what God has done for you in Christ. He sees you as you are. He loves you as you are. Loves you too much to let you stay there, by the way. And that's the next part, and that's truth. You need truth. You need people to be able to speak into your life. I have to open myself up so that I trust you enough that when you speak truth to me and in me, it will help me and it will build me up. We need grace. We need truth. The Bible says this, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's Jesus. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. He's full of two things. He's full of grace and he's full of truth. And then it would say, for the law was given through Moses Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We need grace and we need tr truth. So Jesus is talking to this woman at the well. Five husbands. She's shacking up with a sixth guy. You know, how many in between? You know, we're not talking about a person that you'd like want your son to date. You know, she's not that kind of a girl. Um, you think she hides from love? She's tough. She's cynical. You know, she's down on life. And Jesus talks to her, and Jesus has offered her life. Jesus has offered her life. And she begins to come out of hiding. Listen to what she says. She goes into town, and she says, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He told me everything I ever did. I don't mind, you know? I don't mind. Could this one be the Christ? 
and we're made to connect. We're broken, we're wounded, but we're made to connect. And we hurt and we hide, but we're still made to connect. We want to hide from God, we want to hide from each other. And the very thing that can bring us healing, we avoid. And something has to break that cycle. Grace does that. Grace does that. The grace of God will do that. And then the grace of others. And we're going to look at that too. And truth does that. So the question is, have you experienced that initial jolt that breaks you out of that cycle of grace? Of grace. The grace and love of Jesus Christ who says, I've seen everything. Five husbands, sixth shack up, tenth screw up, hundredth relapse. I've seen it. And I give you grace. I will give you grace in this. I see you as you are, and I love you as you are. I'd like to invite the worship team to come on up right now and invite you, if you would, just take a moment. Bow your head with me, with me, please. Maybe close your eyes. Um, you're thinking, wow, a woman had five husbands and shacking up with a sixth and probably ten other guys in between. I'm not as bad as that, but we have to come to the conclusion we're just as bad in our own ways. It's not about her, it's about me, and it's about you, and you before God. And you might think, I'm not even sure God could love me, much less people. Well, God has. He fought for you. Loves you. Even with your past, He loves you. Even with your present, He loves you. And he offers forgiveness for you and that's grace and truth to help you grow. He loves you just the way you are. And, and if you've experienced that, Remember, really experienced that and I'm talking now to you believers. If God has seen every single flaw and fault and sin you've done, rebellion, the stupid stuff you've done in his face, and he loves you. Every thought, you can love others. You can love others. They've never done anything worse to you or to anyone else than you've done to God. That's so cool. Father, I, w I would pray for those that are still in hiding and feel like they're a piece of junk and no one could love them. May they feel your love right now. And know there's hope in all of this. There is. There truly is. Father, may we find the relationships and love that we need. Provide them in Christ's name. We ask this. Amen. Hey, if you need someone to pray with you, maybe you're experiencing something in life and you just say, I don't want to go through this alone. Or maybe you just need to kind of open up to someone. We have people over there that will be in the prayer room for you after the service. Feel free to head on over there and, and pray. Or if you need someone to connect with you, just write on that communication card. Or you can, my email's in there, too, if you want to just set up a time. We just talk, you know, and, and talk about this kind of stuff. So um, it's important for us to be whole 
and real people for that. So please uh, feel free to take advantage of that. Um, we're going to take an offering in just a second. I say offering, we give. We give because we want to invest in what God is doing in the life of this community and the life of kids in our community. And we're going to show one of those videos, you know, where someone's going to be seen on screen and they'll probably have to say, do I really sound like that? And yeah, they do. Um, we're going to look at it. It's talking about our children's programming, and we're doing it for two reasons. One is so you can see the investment that you're making. The second is that you can get your kids and other kids that are in your neighborhood to sign up for that. And so there's flyers back there for that, but let's look at the screen and just see what's going on. <laughs> 